Welcome to another Sermon Question and Answer podcast, sitting here with Pastor Sean and Pastor Joey, and we'll discuss some questions from this previous Sunday sermon um, on true wisdom, and Pastor Sean making the point that um, the wisdom of God has to be revealed to us supernaturally by the Spirit. Um, it's something that is not going to be discerned by man in his natural state. God has to, um, to come to us with that knowledge and wisdom, and we can have unity as Christians because we have the, the knowledge us. of God. We're humbled that the Spirit would reveal that to us. So um, one of the, one of the statements you made in your sermon was that if you don't mind dissecting a little bit more, um, you said... What we, if he did mind? Well, this will be a short podcast. No comment. We, You said we can't know everything about God, but we can know him truly. Yes. Next question. All right. So Next no, question. You stand by that. I stand by that. So to give credit where credit's due, I mean, I actually heard that in David Wilson was teaching um, a, um, a spiritual formation class Wednesday night, and he was going through the Trinity. So um, that was a great statement, and it stuck in my mind. And so <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the verse. that I, I said that. I, so I only said it in the 8 o'clock service because I remember leaving it out the rest of the time, not intentionally, but... Um, wishing that I had said that again. Um, but I think I was making the point that, you know, God reveals enough for us to know what He wants us to know, so we can know Him truly, but it doesn't mean we know everything about God. Uh, maybe I got that from the mysteries when it talks about the Spirit of God, those the inner workings of God, and so there's still some mystery to God that we don't know, but it doesn't mean we don't know enough for salvation and for what He wants us to know. Um what do you have? No, you I, excited I, about that. Too. No, I just think I, I thought it was a great statement. Yeah. I mean, so you have to ask David Wilson where he yeah. got that statement from, or if he you, thought of that I on mean, his own. You do own. think some of like the uh, communicable attributes Correct. of God, incommunicable well, attributes correct. of God. Um, the, so some some of that came to my mind whenever you made that statement. Yeah. But I even think I was on just, that. There's stuff even be, beyond yeah. that, but. But everything that we need to know that's sufficient for salvation, uh, and, and that's sufficient for us to have an intimate personal relationship right. with God, He's graciously provided that for us this side of eternity. And the beauty of it is what He's provided for us this side of eternity is just a taste of what we'll enjoy one day whenever we, um, um, we're not hindered by sin, we're not hindered by right. sickness or death. And right. so... And our, the the joy that we get to experience this out of eternity as believers is going to be amplified because our knowledge of God is going to be so much more complete. We'll no longer see through a mirror dimly. Um, and right. I love that. So that that that's the stuff that comes to my mind when you made that statement. Hmm. Right. I guess so too. I was thinking of people that may deny the faith because we can't know everything about God. And yeah. I guess that's where it was coming from in my sermon was the idea that. Um, you don't have to know everything about God for Him. It doesn't. It's not holding out, and what we believe is not a lie. We know God truly, and what He wants us to know. And so, you just finished reading a book, the uh, where first one this year, the first one, yeah, yep. The since seminary, um, <laughs> the but it, it was the uh, religious beliefs of uh, America's founders, and the mm. author of that book 
um, coined some of the terrifying. Uh, yeah, some of the founders of this country as rationalistic theists, yes. and it was they believed the Bible so much, so far as it made logical, rational, rational sense. sense. And yep. so, for the people that say, "I need to," if 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 not if if I don't have every answer to the questions that I have. I'm discarding that. That that right. really, I mean, you see that logical conclusion of the Thomas Jefferson Bible. The yeah. well, I think there's passages of scripture that um, I think still announce to us who God is truly, but they're still mysterious to me in my understanding. I.e., Romans chapter nine and how God has elected and predestined His children, and I, and then Paul answers the questions that our minds naturally go to, like, is that fair, or um, that doesn't, you know, how are people still held accountable? And he doesn't give very satisfying answers, except, answer. yeah, the answers are the potter has the right over the clay, essentially. And Who are you to speak back to God? Who are you yeah. to speak back to God? So uh, that doesn't make it untrue, and it doesn't yeah. even take away the mystery for me. I, You know, I have those same questions. I think a lot of times people, when you preach on that or teach on that, it like, how can you believe that? Well, I believe it because it's true, and it's because God, what God has revealed about Himself truly, but it doesn't mean I don't still have the questions or the mystery piece to me. I, I don't understand the depths of God, and so I do rest in His good, His complete character. I rest in His sovereignty, and I rest in His goodness, um, that He's not withholding anything from me that makes my life lesser. He's good. God is good, so... So I think understanding, just because something's revealed and I can't completely fathom it, doesn't make it not true and doesn't make it not good. Yeah. So. Which is one of the things that makes God God, is that, I don't man, know I can't figure him out, and right. that's good. Correct. I shouldn't be able to. Correct. So, okay, good. Uh, next, the, one of the other statements you made, actually was one of your points in your sermon, was um, pulling out of 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, where uh, the gospel is not God's afterthought. Yeah. Um, and if you would speak to what what are the implications of, of that statement that the gospel is not God's afterthought? Oh, uh, um, I mean, I said a lot in the sermon. It it really hit me that for one, I mean, I always I guess my pause is I get nervous when I start venturing into the mind of God, which I don't fully know and I can't fully grasp, but. Before eternity passed, God decreed the gospel as the way to re- to save man, and I think, <clears throat> ultimately, which I hit on in the sermon, to reveal his character. So I think there, that there's even a little bit to this that answers the problem of evil. Why is there a problem of evil? Why is there sin? Why is there brokenness? Because this is the world in which God, in the ages past, wanted to reveal the many facets of his character. And so that we could know him. If there was no brokenness, we might not know that God is forgiving. God, we might not know God hates sin. We may not know his wrath. We may not know his mercy. We may, you know, there's many, many facets to his character that are revealed through the gospel that he decreed from eternity past because this is how he wanted to reveal himself to the human race and his and his characteristics. So I guess that's what was captivating my thinking at the time. Um, and and so, as a child of God, to think that He set His affections upon me in eternity past and saved me, and you know the stuff we went through about the sovereignty of the Spirit and salvation, revealing the wisdom of God, 
think that he did that for me is it's very humbling it it leads to praise it leads to worship i mean it it's it's and i think that's and i think that's why a church should not be disunified i mean we should reflect upon god saved us because that's what he wanted to do and so Therefore, how dare me be frustrated at a brother or sister in Christ? It's the same for them. Like, we are all humbled at the feet of the mystery and the sovereignty of our God who saved us because that's what he wanted to do. And he he thought of that and did that somewhere in eternity past. And it's just very humbling to me. It's very humbling to sit here with you guys and know, you know, if if I had an issue with one of you guys, we should work that out and work together. Um, because God loved us before the foundations of the earth, both of us, all of us, you know, that other the children of God, Christians. So it makes me think of Peter's sermon, um, in Acts chapter two, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I reflect on that sermon a lot because it's 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 got God's complete sovereignty around it, as well as man's responsibility. Yep, you know, absolutely. and then again, then going to the mysteries of God. You know, I. I feel perfectly comfortable preaching whosoever will may come. I feel perfectly comfortable presenting my responsibility of the gospel. It's your job to repent and believe. And I feel perfectly comfortable going, salvation is in the hands of God alone. I'm just the mouthpiece. And um, that's a two wings of a bird, maybe, you know, of this truth and the character of God. And I feel comfortable teaching and preaching both, as Peter did. You know, so and I read. I it gives the sovereignty of God over salvation gives me such rest. I I know that spins people up. It doesn't spin me up at all. It just gives me such rest as a pastor, um, as a as a believer, um, as a parent raising children. Um, you know, on and on the list goes. There, now, God gives us means to our salvation, which is the local church, the preaching of the word, a Christian family. There's many, many means to God's grace, but. Um, but I'm I so rest in God's character. You said the last two Sundays about the the word of God preached is the word of God. Joey hit and on that a couple weeks ago with his illustration about Calvin and yeah, the, the same thing together. that you know God's word will either harden or soften hearts, and that's the work of God. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to proclaim the gospel, yeah, not to not to change hearts. Yeah, and it's fascinating. It's amazing when you watch, you know, the new birth of a believer that you know, to watch God save someone through the preaching of the word, through Christian community, the many means that he uses, it's amazing, you know. You didn't you didn't do that. God does that. And um so, I mean, it's just, at the end of the day, that's what grace is. It's all glory to him. It's all praise to him because he does the work. And and then he invites us to be a part of it, which is like so he's going to succeed, but he, it, again, the means of grace, how he does it, is us. He uses the body, and we get to be a part of that, and how exciting. And so, you know, um, you know 
as we talk about expanding the ministries of Coastal, you know, I mean, we've been praying and talking a lot about, you know, maybe one day putting a campus in Gloucester. What excites me is God does have his children up there. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we need to be intentional and strategic and, you know, pulling our resources to do that. But God's got children up there that he wants to save, and we just have to figure, get, get the gospel up there, and then it will be successful where it's supposed to be successful. So Even in the unreached people groups of... Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. God's people are there yep. waiting for the gospel to come to them. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and we're the means to doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and so when we raise resources, you know, we talk about money. Um, that money's not for naught. That money's going to accomplishing what God set it out to accomplish. And what a better thing to give to. And, you know, so when our, you know, those small group leaders or people are listening, you go to work, Part of what you're stewarding is to donate to a local church that's serious about the Great Commission because God's work is going to be accomplished and your finances get to be a part of it. It's a means of grace to accomplishing that. Typical pastor, bringing it back to the offering. huh? Mm. Mm. I know some people out there thinking that. It's very Baptist. Huh? Very Baptist of me. Make sure our accounts are right. What was the attendance role? What was the attendance? Yeah. And round up. We usually round it. We get the attendance and we round it up by a few. Nearest 10. <laughs> nearest, nearest 100. Nearest 10. <laughs> Go ahead. Next question. All right. Next question. Um, well, another statement that you made in your sermon. I don't like all these quotes of me. They this make me you. nervous. This is Sean Brown. We need to start asking them in a way like, we're, we're going to read something that you said, and we uh, do you really stand by this? Yeah. Well, Martin Luther. Did you Martin, mean whoa. it, Martin Luther? Want you to say, so give me twenty-four hours. Yeah, Martin Luther took the night to think about <laughs> yeah. it before they give me the night. <laughs> kicked him out of the church. So <laughs> that always well, gives really me wanna, some comfort. I really want to commit. I'm going to go with one of the. <laughs> we want to see if you're going to double down on this, or if it was a <laughs> slip of the tongue. It's right now. Good enough for Martin Luther. Good enough for me. I'll take a day to think about it. So. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow then with a final question. Um, no, you said, why do we go through the things that we go through? And it's um, to behold uh, the character of God. And I guess one, the question is, in your own life, you, we all go through struggles. We all go through things that maybe we don't understand why. But what do you do to remind yourself that this is a part of what God has for me? Yeah, because I think of the, like, if we're I, we sitting, didn't we're discuss sitting this the, question before, well, man. Yeah, you know, it's just a bonus one. So for the believers sitting in there, sitting in the room and they, they yeah. you know, they're suffering at mm-hmm. no, no doing of their own. Yeah. Like what, press into that statement some to help give them, like where can they find hope? Press into it. Squeeze it. Yeah. No, I think uh, so. Massage it. That's what you said. I think that, you know, this is where, like, man, uh, don't idolize your pastor. I mean, what do I press into? It's the same thing I encourage each of you to do. It's quiet quiet times, times in the Word, you know. Um, The Word encourages me. It's community, living in community. If you're struggling... Sharing your struggles with other believers. Some sometimes it's it, it can be very tangible. People can help you. You know. Sometimes they pray for you. Um, um, yeah, preaching the gospel to myself. I I just always think about the psalmist says, "Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in me." Like he's preaching to himself. Oh, you know. And so sometimes it's a little bit of investigation in my heart and spirit. Like, 
what am I choosing to believe that's not true? You know, a lot of times my anxiety or discouragement is coming from something that's not true. If it's an overcrowded schedule, then I'm believing that I'm the Messiah for everyone. I've got to be at everything and do everything, and so I have to repent of that and readjust my big rocks. You know, if it's discouragement in my income, you know, um, I have to look at my heart and and say, man, is there... Your glasses fell. Yes, my glasses fell. I mean, I look into my heart and go, is there something that I'm believing that my income should provide for me that I really don't need, you know, a certain amount of retirement or, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so I preach the gospel to myself. Where does, where does my hope lie? Where does my hope lie for my future here on earth as well as my eternal life? And, you know, the list could go on and on. If your children are disappointing you, you know, you press into it. Is there something I'm hoping they will provide me that... Only Christ can provide of me. So, constantly evaluating where am I? Where am I not believing the gospel? Where do I need to repent of the influence of the world, my own flesh, and the devil, and repent of that and believe that Christ really is sufficient? So, those are some of the things. I don't know. How about you? Uh, So, one of the things that I think, you know, we we have members in our congregation that. they have cancer. Right. They um, lost of a loved one unexpectedly. Uh, there's um, a marriage partner that walks out on them at no fault of their own. They just up and decide to quit one day. Um, you know what? What? What does God's word offer them? Um, what? How? What perspective can they have to help them persevere through trials and tribulations like that? And and something that I read try to remind myself of we just preached through the book of hebrews last year and at the very end of hebrews right and the context there is the Hebraic church is experiencing persecution because they're leaving judaism uh the Hebraic author saying it's time to let go of this this is this is passing away your believers christ is the long-awaited messiah put your hope and trust in him and so these Hebraic Christians are doing that, and they're experiencing persecution because of it. They're outcast. They're being treated poorly and some beaten and flogged, stuff like that. And and this is what he says to them to comfort them to persevere. He says, um, and I love this, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that's to come. Uh, I, I love that passage because it reminds me that um, as believers, we can suffer and endure because Christ suffered and endured. And, and our hope is set uh, on a lasting city. Um, th- th- this is a, the, the world and all its passions and all its troubles and all its sickness and all its sin. That's this dying city. It's not a thriving city, even though it seems like it's a thriving city. It's not. It's a dying city. The lasting city, the city that we're to look toward that that can help fuel our perseverance is the city that's to come. And it was the, um, and and that's what the, the author of Hebrews used to encourage those Christians that were struggling. Um, and so that, that's what I love about your, your statement about, I mean, God, God doesn't waste our tragedies. Um, you know, he, he, he uses them so that we may behold the character of God and more fully um, as a result of um, 
thinking eternally about our present circumstances. Which I think, you know, I mean, you fleshed out a, a line I say all the time, which you just gave good handles to it, is we're not heavenly minded enough. Yeah. That is part of what gets me through trials is I, it sounds very depressing, but I think it's, I don't think it's depressing. We have a 70 or 80 year lifespan here on earth to go through difficulties, to honor the Lord, to be a part of furthering the gospel, and then we're home, we're done, and then you have forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and, and so really reflecting on that when I'm going through a hard time, like, I, yeah, this stinks, and even if it lasted my entire life, it's just a vapor uh, in comparison with the eternity. I mean, having that hope in eternity, and so, you know, the people at Coastal are going through these difficulties that you just listed and going through that well. They really do have that mindset. Like, man, I, I'm sure they've struggled with you know super dark times, but they they continually remind themselves of the hope of eternal life, and that's a real thing. And we forget that we're not heavenly minded enough. So, there you go. Great, good podcast. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate your time. Thank Appreci- you, small group leaders. Absolutely. Always appreciate yeah. all y'all are doing to the b- help the body of Christ here at Coastal. Yeah. Well, that's it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you making this um, a supplement to the Sunday sermon. And uh, as always, if you have any questions, email them to us by Tuesday. I feel like the podcast today was better than my question. sermon. Uh, I should have. Let's just we do- should have done this before the sermon. We'll take down the sermon and put the podcast uh, up. Put the podcast up. Yeah. Can I make an announcement before we close out? Yes. Just So this is just an FYI because this is from our uh, missions director, Josh Schwarting. Uh, this week he's um, wants to target our small group leaders by giving you um, information about mission opportunities that you can distribute to the people in your small group. And so uh, small group leaders, if you're listening to this, uh, I hope you're listening to this. Is this thing on? Yes, funny? they're not going to respond. Feedback? They, they're not responding to you though. Check mic, check mic. The uh, how many stop by, stop by the we- <laughs> stop by the <laughs> welcome desk really and get the mission. They've already stopped at this point. <laughs> There's dozens of them. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, okay, you're going to say goodbye though. You, I was going to say you goodbye. Like to have the last word, you, so you go, Josh. You have the floor. No, that's it. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>